Welcome to the Surly Horns Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 5. And what a show do we have for you today. We've got a lot of things lined up. We have a special guest, or maybe two, coming to the podcast. RGB3, how are you doing today? I wish I could say I was better, but um, Deshaun Watson got me some heartburn. Man, I am still heated. Uh, I can't believe this stupid fucking Houston Texans franchise is going to ruin the greatest gift that they have ever received. I am mad. I just don't understand how you could possibly say, oh, we're going to involve you. We're going to involve you. We're going to involve you. And then just shit all over your star player. That is literally what you're building your franchise around to the point where he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'll sit. I am it's just so it's just so on par for this franchise to do something like this. So my I've been a Houston Texans fan since their inception. My first jersey had 2002 on the back uh, because they didn't have a single player yet. Uh, So I've been a fan that has been waiting for a franchise quarterback for damn near 20 years. Um, When we finally get one. Uh, they decide to uh, trade away his best receiver for pennies on the dollar and a guy that retired and didn't tell anybody else two fucking years ago. They uh, let Bill O'Brien be the general manager and head coach for no fucking reason when he was awful at the job he was halfway decent at to start. He blew a 24 to nothing lead in the playoffs. And he got a promotion. So not only this, this dumb motherfucker, Tommy boy, Cal McNair hanging on his daddy's, you know, every fucking word um, while he's alive. Then the second he dies, he decides he just wants to butt fuck this franchise into oblivion. I I have no words. And you know, can't even keep up with the Joneses. Can't even keep up with the Joneses. You know what the worst part is? He's getting swindled. By some charlatan, some fucking preacher named Jack Easterby, who I do not know, some Grima warm-tongued dude that is whispering into Cal McNair's ear or has some kind of documented blackmail against this man. Because the fact that a up-jump preacher is going to cause you to lose the best thing that has ever happened to your franchise in nearly 20 years, all you have to do is... Not fuck up. All you have to do is not promote Bill O'Brien. All you know would be, you know, would have been a bit. All you have to do is not hire Brian Cushing as the strength and conditioning coach after he got kicked out of the league for banned substances. You know what's funny? My three year old daughter could do a better job running the Houston Texans solely because she wouldn't know what to do. And so she wouldn't do anything because that's all I had to do is all I have to do is not promote Bill O'Brien to general manager, not trade DeAndre Hopkins, not piss off Deshaun Watson, not hire Jack Easterby. 
all you have to do is just not do any of those things. And you have the best thing that's ever happened to your franchise sitting under contract for the next five years. But instead, nope, we're just going to trade them and they're going to get pennies on the dollar. And I cannot wait. And I'm saying it. I already said it on Twitter. I'm saying it here officially on the Surly Horn podcast. I am officially decommitted from the Houston Texans. Respect my decision. No interviews, please. Not to pile on. But what happens with J.J. Watt now? You know what, J.J.? God bless you. Just go um, be happy somewhere. Um, Leave us in Houston. We deserve this. I don't know why. I don't know how. But uh, some way, I've always known that I don't deserve nice things. So um, God bless you on your way. JJ, Deshaun, I wish you very well for the rest of your careers. And I'll probably be following one of you to whatever team that you join because I can't not watch NFL football. And I'm certainly not going to give another fucking dollar to Cal McNair, you giant piece of shit. (laughs) Rant over. (laughs) On a lighter note, there are big happenings because of the likeness stuff in the NCAA. One of the biggest happenings is EA Sports is gonna do another college football game. NCAA football is back! It's in the game. Hell yeah. Okay, so now I can get, you know, turn that frown upside down. Thank God. It's only been, what, seven years, I guess? And I don't too know long. why they haven't Too long, too long, Way too long. Matter. The too only long. reason why I own an Xbox 360 still. I would have thrown that thing in the trash years ago. But guess what? That news came out yesterday. I fired it up. I started another dynasty. You know, I'm scheduling AM. They just got whooped on 45 to nothing. So suck it. Let's go. I am so excited for that. It, it, you know, the Madden game series and whatever. I mean, whatever, right? The, the whole thing is NCAA best game ever. And then they fucking had the put a kibosh on it for absolutely no reason other than uh we don't know if we can actually have players that kind of look like the players without the names on the jersey it's fucking whatever right nope. give us the game back and now we've got it back finally it cannot come out soon enough i cannot wait i don't care if they don't have players names or whatever some dude is going to upload the rosters and somehow or there's there's going to be some way around it i don't care just just make sure you have the teams make sure you have the stadiums make sure you have the songs and i'm going to play the ever-loving shit out of it i am a 32 year old man that i rarely play video games you know maybe maybe once a week at most and uh, I'm probably going to put a thousand hours into this bad boy. I'm buying a PS5. It's happening. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I was about to say I'm about to get on eBay, figure out how the fuck I can get my hands on a PS5 because it's yep. going down. Absolutely, absolutely. And we I need to have a we need to have a surly horns, uh, like a, a, a dynasty tournament type style thing. Totally, yeah. Except I'm terrible. I'm absolutely awful. So <laughs> we're just getting stomped. <laughs> just don't get neg bombed like oh. our boy Carl. Oh, Carl, Carl from Dallas. Holy fuck, Carl, buddy. <laughs> hey, I warned him. I warned him. I told you did. Him. Fair, fair warning. Fair warning. You did I, warn him. I, he said. He said he had information. We'll take information at Surly Horns. We'll always take information at Surly Horns. It's much appreciated, usually. This guy has a history of being wrong. And boy, was he 
wrong. And I told him, I said, Carl, if you're wrong about this, we are going to carpet bomb your reputation on this site. You are going to be done. Just so happened that he was very much wrong. And now he is very much gone. Goodbye, sir. It is. I have never, ever seen somebody go from over 2000 rep. He, he blew past purgatory. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm considering putting him back into purgatory, but I don't know. I mean, he's blown, he's blown, he's blown past purgatory. He's fucking out of here. See ya in the span of like two pages on the recruiting thread, two pages. And he was gone off to Bolivia. Thank you to everybody. This is why Surly Horns is the best community on the internet is because of the self-moderation. Get this trash out of here. We don't need any fucking 995-er fucking fake news bullshit. Get your ass the fuck off my side. <laughs> Later, Carl. I'm sure you're going to come back talking about thoughts under another username shortly. So see you soon, buddy. Yeah. I you know, don't yeah you know, he, he'll be back. Oh, he's always back. He's always he doesn't sick, deserve man. an IP ban, but he'll be he'll be back. Oh yeah, he's always back. He's 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 lurking right now. He's just waiting for the next opportunity. He can talk about a thought, and we just got to figure out what username he uses next. Some iteration of Carl Winslow. We know it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so. We have a really awesome special guest for you guys, and he just so happens to be a guy that that was voted 30, under 30, best, whatever the fuck, awesome people in on planet Earth. <laughs> Making delicious barbecue. He's literally the best pitmaster in Houston, soon to be the best pitmaster in San Antonio, the best ribs you will ever eat i i'm i'd like to coin myself as a connoisseur of barbecue and this man makes the best barbecue i've tasted outside of austin probably really he's probably made the best barbecue i've ever tasted his ribs are the best thing you'll ever eat get the candy paint ribs roll on baby yeah grant thanks for coming on the podcast man my pleasure man so we so are tell talking, us. yeah we're so talking to the best barbecue maker in houston by far. And tell us where you are right now, Mr. Pinkerton. I, I'm actually in the front um, park or lawn of the uh, San Antonio restaurant sitting in a lawn chair. That doesn't sound like it sucks. <laughs> it does not Do you have a beer in your hand? Uh, I have a cell phone. I'm talking to y'all, so... It's, oh, man. <laughs> it's all right. If you need to take a two minute break to chug a shiner or something, we're, we, 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 we're very used to taking those kinds of breaks around here. All right. That sounds good, <laughs> man. So you were telling me about the, you know, the San Antonio restaurant and uh, you're talking about the, the park that you were saying um, that you could bring beer out to and uh, to tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. Beer, wine and liquor. I mean, it's uh essentially like a giant front lawn for a restaurant in the middle of a downtown space. So you have uh, San Antonio's biggest skyscraper on one side and uh, about an acre of green space in the middle with trees and a berm, a hill hill in the middle of the city about a block off the river walk. So it's really a cool space. Um, I hate the word tranquil, 
but uh, <laughs> it's kind of an, it's a nice escape, a change of pace um, from the kind of hustle and bustle of the city. Um, no, that's so awesome. It, it'll be really nice when you come here. You'll be able to grab a tray of barbecue. You can eat on one of our covered porches or in the big dining room or in the bar, or you can get it and get some drinks or a bucket of beer and go out and sit out on the lawn and hang out with your friends and throw football or let your kids run around and beat each other up, whatever. Oh, I already can't wait to take the kids out for a picnic. Just an excuse yeah. to drink beer and eat the best barbecue I've ever tasted. So uh, so this is the third time that we've, we've brought up beer. If, yeah. if, you, if you did have a beer in said hand that does not have the cell phone, what would that beer be? Uh, Oklahoma sucks. <laughs> oh, nice. Go. It's always a good one. You can't, you can't really find that one in Houston. You, they, they carry that one at Specs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They should sponsor me. They should. And, and sponsor the Surly Horns podcast. We are totally down. Uh, <laughs> I, think really it's, I think it would be very fitting. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, how could it not be? But yeah, we, uh, you know, speaking of barbecue, I mean, barbecue and beer match made in heaven. So I've been asked, and basically all of my friends have asked me this exact same question. What kind of fucking witchcraft do you do to your candy paint ribs that makes them so freaking amazing? What is that glaze? How do you do it? Um, well, it's, it's kind of funny. That glaze started off as something I, I did kind of a more intense version for competition. And I had some buddies before I opened the restaurant. And I really wasn't ever actually planning on having those glazed ribs on the menu because it's kind of an extra step and stuff to do. And they were like, dude, if you open that restaurant without these glazed ribs, you're an idiot. And I was like, it's more work and so many more ingredients and blah, blah, blah. They're like, Brent, if you open the restaurant without the glazed ribs, you're an idiot. And so... Um, the glazed ribs became a staple, and um, of course, we put them on the, our pop-up menu leading up to the opening of the Houston store, and um, rolled it out. And you know, they, I, I guess some people might not, not like uh, sweet with their barbecue, but there is something to be said about ha- being able to eat a rib for dessert. And um, I think that after a nice salty and peppery piece of fatty brisket, that kind of sweet and savory. Pork rib, yeah, it's meat candy. It just, it just, I don't know. It's really pleasing to the, uh, to the palate. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm a big proponent of sweet meat. Yeah, that sound that came out weird, but <laughs> no, I, yeah, I made some, uh, some uh, Hawaiian style jalapeno pork belly the other day, and yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of that meat candy. Sounds great. As long as the the weird stuff keeps coming out of your mouth instead of going in your mouth, I think. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, you know, uh, I, last time I saw you, uh, you saying, uh, Hayden Connor and his dad were, were at the restaurant. It seems like they're quite the regulars, huh? Yeah. Um, Hayden's dad, Steve is a great customer and a, a big fan of Pinkerton's barbecue and Hayden's a great kid. He loves barbecue. Um, wicked smart. And uh, I, I can't wait to see him play uh, play at DKR. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's one of my favorite recruits. And, I mean, he's going to be an astronaut. So not only is he going to be a guard, but he's going to be an astronaut as well. And anybody that loves barbecue, I'm just ultimately going to root for you. So yeah, how, what's their typical – Huge spaceship. What's their what's their typical order like whenever whenever they show up? Are they – Whole brisket. Eaters? <laughs> 
they little eaters. What? They have orders. What? Tell us a little bit about what this big boy eats. Um. Well, his dad Steve is a great guy because he always brings like six or seven people with him. Um. And so there, he always rolls in in a big group, and they always order family style. And when Hayden's with him, you know, it's at least. Um, what looks in my head, probably about four pounds of brisket, at least a rack of ribs, uh, glaze, uh, jalapeno cheese sausage, and then um, for the adults, uh, some cocktails, maybe some beer. That sounds I'm like this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds like he's going to be trimming down to play tackle, not guard, right? <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm not in charge of nutrition, man. I'm just in charge of feeling good and eating good. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm super, super hungry. Oh yeah, Rick, yeah, Rick have you have you not been to Pinkerton's yet? Because if so, oh. you got to make. I mean, you got to make it a point. So I take my sales reps uh, probably at least once a month. Uh, that's all they do. I have a buddy who lives down in the Heights, and um, Pinkerton's is about three minutes from his house. He gets it every single Sunday. He'll go in and get a rack of ribs because um, you just can't you can't not miss out on the candy paint ribs. So where do you we, live, Rick? I'm in Austin. Yeah, so I've got well, you know, the, the new the, store the Central is, Texas guys. New store's only like an hour and ten minutes away from you. Working. Yeah, door to door probably. Yeah, I could probably yeah. get there pretty quick. Oh, I, yeah. I, I may make a whole day of it, and then uh, <laughs> I've got yeah. one of my my favorite burger joints is in San Antonio as well, in Chris Madrid's. So. Start in in the afternoon, get some barbecue, and then get you know some margaritas and stuff. And then finish it off with a, a Chris Madrid's burger. Yeah. Meat sweats or bust, right there. I, yeah, nothing bad about that day. Uh, so we so, have a couple of questions from our mailbag for you, Grant. Um, first one we got the all important question: fat side up or fat side down? No, fat side up. Thank you. We're not. Com- we're not. I'm not communist. Thank you. I was offended that that was even asked. I was offended that was even asked. Who who smokes fat side down? Oh, I don't know. People who live in the southern hemisphere. I, I have no idea who those people are. <laughs> we call them Yankees around here. I think, or it, they're at least north of the Red River. I'd imagine. Correct. But uh, and and wrap or no wrap? On the brisket wrap. Yeah. Butcher paper wrap. Oh yeah. For sure, yeah. No, how hard is it, you know, when you have so many briskets on a pit? You know, I'm used to. Well, it's you know, pretty you know, hard right now, RGB three. It's pretty hard. <laughs> <right now. laughs> uh, uh, but how hard, you know, when you have, you know, ten briskets on a on a big ass pit? How hard is that to keep track of and wrap in and times, you know, time to spend wrapping? Well, we usually have sixty on our pit in Houston on Saturdays, oh. Sundays, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. And I think one thing that people forget is, like, so when you go to wrap and you're taking all those briskets off and uh, you have them out of the pit, like, that's a shitload of beef laying around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't wrap, even if it takes you one minute to wrap each brisket, which it probably is a little faster, that meat is still sometimes sitting out of the pit mid-cook for 45 minutes you know, before it goes back in. So yeah. that actually adds a, a, quite a bit of time on to cooking when you're doing that kind of volume. And the same thing goes for ribs. Um, the, uh, you know, if we're doing somewhere between 120 or 150 racks, 
um, unless they were wrapping half of them at a time. You know, wrapping 75 racks of ribs. A lot of people say, oh, how long do the ribs cook at the restaurant? I'm like, I don't know, seven, eight hours. I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe that. I'm like, yeah, but you got to remember, there's like an hour and a half of that is literally getting wrapped. So, For sure. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and do you wrap when it hits the stall or do you just go by feel? I go by color um, and bark formation. Nice. And it's almost always around like, I like to get a little ways through the stall before wrapping at least. But I don't, I don't put a thermometer in my briskets ever. So yep. I just shut the pit. We did some briskets on the new uh, pits I have here in San Antonio yesterday. We just shut the pit and opened the door six hours later, and the color looked like it was about right. Just kind of for my own personal uh, curiosity, I threw a probe in it, and it was like a 168. I'll let it go to like 173, and then I wrapped it in paper and then took it the rest of the way to 203 plus or whenever it feels like butter like Love. beyonce's booty <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm tell people, you, should, you should feel the probe go or whatever you're using through the paper and then have it be like nothing is inside the paper and once it gets to that point in the and then you stick your finger kind of underneath the uh the wrapped brisket and if it feels like a boob then it's ready to come off <laughs> like a bag of sand right like a bag of sand exactly <laughs> So I've got a question for you. Um, you know, it, it sounds like you know, you're, you're doing some pretty scaled up operations. You're doing quite a few cattle every time that you're smoking now. But is there one particular cook that you've done that is set apart from any other cooks that, that you've ever done? The, so to speak, favorite cook you've ever had? This is a mailbag question. No, this is my question. Um, that's a good one. Um, let's see. Oh, favorite, favorite cook. Well, is this in the restaurant setting or ever? Ever. And it doesn't have to be barbecue to make it even harder. <laughs> it should have been one of those, like, uh, this, uh, the press secretary questions where they actually get the question like two days before. Um, <laughs> Speaking of a really good answer, I'm gonna have to circle back to you on that one. Um, right. Let no, I'm kidding. Uh, I would say actually my favorite, most memorable cook of all time was uh, the one I did in Memphis in May, uh, which is like the Super Bowl of barbecue cook-offs, and it takes place in Memphis with like 250 of the top or 300 of the top pitmasters in the country, and um, it was my first time to ever cook in that cook-off. And uh, I went up there with the team uh, that's made up of guys from Arkansas, Florida, and New York. And they brought me in to cook their beef category turn-in. And I went up there and I cooked this beef rib dish or smoked beef rib burn-ins. And uh, I, I, practiced, I practiced it once before in Houston. And I, when I tried it with my fiance, I'm like, dude, this is, this is going to win. And I don't know. I just had this feeling. And so I did it there and that everything turned out really good. The cook went really great. And I was like that one. And of course she's like, do not say that. And I've been saying it all day. So she's telling me I'm jinxing it or whatever. And, um, <laughs> I ended up winning first place beef at Memphis in May. And so that was probably my favorite 
uh, cook I've ever had just because rolling into another state, SEC country, pork country, they all think they barbecue is God. And this, you know, 29-year-old kid from or 30-year-old kid from Texas rolls in and whoops all their ass. So Hell yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That felt yeah. pretty good because it was right after the Georgia Sugar Bowl, too, so I really rubbed it in yeah. hard to all, all the other Oh, hell yeah. Guys. That makes me feel even better about it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, man, I've never even heard of beef rib burn ends, but now That's insane. I, I, I need to, to do it. <laughs> I to to, I'm going to try it, but it's not going to be anywhere near as good as yours, but I, I you know, I, that sounds incredible. I'll send you a picture of them. I'll text you a picture of my turning box. Absolutely. I got to see those bad boys. And then you're going to have to send me a recipe too, so I can fuck it up terribly. (laughs) Speaking of uh, terrible fuck ups, my favorite question that I've seen is, did you see uh, John Cornyn's ketchup brisket for Christmas? Oh yeah. I got tagged in that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) What an abomination. I've never in my life seen something so unappetizing. (laughs) It's terrible. Well, I just wonder why people like why post like maybe you do like that. Maybe it's the sandwich tradition, but why post that, dude? If he paid me enough money, I would have sent him a picture of a good brisket that he could have said he cooked for his their Christmas tradition. I'd mail him one of mine, and mine aren't perfect, but I guarantee you, it's better than what he ate. <laughs> and then, and then so the doubling, weird. and yeah, and then the doubling and tripling down of like talking about how. That it was like cooled all the way down and then rebaked. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. It yeah, I I I I didn't know it was brisket until he specified in the comments. Like you see the picture and it looks just like okay, is that corned beef? Is that is that some form of lasagna? Like what the fuck is this? He also no self-respecting text and only cooks a brisket flat. Everybody knows the fatty ends the best. Easily, easily, easily. Yeah, my wife eats the lean part, and that's she can have it. Yeah. Well, the beautiful part about the fatty part of a brisket is, so you get that fatty slice. The top part is all the fatty marbled stuff, and then there's that strip of lean right there on the bottom. So when you're with your wife, you just order fatty brisket, and then you take all the good stuff off the top, and then give her the bottom lean part of the brisket, the fatty slices, and that should be hers. Easy. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen. That's better than ordering, oh, yeah, give me a quarter pound of the lean that she's going to have to pick out of her teeth. <laughs> right, Not place, right? Terrible. So so when you're, when you're you know, eating barbecue, what, what's your perfect barbecue plate look like? What, what, what's your go-to? Obviously, you got to get a, at least a slice of the, the fatty brisket on there. What else is on that plate? All right, my, my order at a barbecue, at my if I walk into Pinkerton's, I order a slice of fatty brisket, two pork ribs, a link of jalapeno cheese sausage and a small potato salad. Now oh, that is nice. not to say that I don't love the jambalaya or any of the other sides. I mean, I, but I eat the jambalaya as a meal. Like, oh yeah, I freaking love that stuff. And if I, I guess if I didn't own the place, I would just get that and then take it home to go and then reheat it the next day. But that's my barbecue order: a slice of fatty, two ribs, and a link of jalapeno cheese. Mine's pretty then, similar. Yeah. If it's yeah. got, if, if you got good potato salad. I'm going with potato salad. Your jalapeno cheese rice is so damn good, though. Yeah, so I'm usually slice of the fatty brisket, 
give me like three or four of the, of the candy paints. I got to have those. It, I don't care. I'm, I might have to undo a belt loop, but I, I got to have at least three or four of the, the candy paint ribs. They give me the jalapeno cheese rice and the mac and cheese, and then just roll me out of there in a stretcher. It's a solid order. Oh, I like it when you go the, cheese the double cheese starch. You see, that's that's a power move. That's how you really seal the deal at the end of the uh, barbecue meal to need the wheelchair assist. Absolutely. The wheelchair yeah. assist. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to carbo load, you know, just <laughs> just trying to push my push my body to extreme limits. And then, yeah, I, I forgot to mention, I got to get at least a half link of the jalapeno cheese sausage because that is, I don't know how you fit that much cheese in there, but holy shit, that's good. Yeah, I'm waiting for just some, I love cheese, man, but I'm just waiting for somebody to make a fucking cheese sausage, you know? <laughs> just all cheese. Like, why has just that not cheese. happened yet? <laughs> it's pretty much like mostly all cheese in there. Hey, you, you, I mean, there's literally nothing stopping you from doing that exact thing. I mean, you're yeah, at you're your restaurant right now. <laughs> I you're think, onto something. Yeah, I think this just is, go there and just pull it enjoy it. Yeah, just shove that bitch full of cheddar and some jalapenos and let's go. Yeah. Hell, we can even do multiple cheeses. We can throw a smoked gouda in there. I mean, Ooh. So really, the options are limited. All gas, I'll no brakes. All gas, no brakes. Exactly. All gas, no brakes. Speaking of all gas, no brakes, what are your thoughts on Sark, the staff in general, and if you can tell us who your favorite hire is? Hmm. I, I like I like the, I like to hire a lot. I'm like I'm a big um, believer in um, reverse jinx, but I'm not going to do that here. So I could go into whole spiel like how everything's terrible, so that it will automatically be really good, and then everybody can make fun of me for being wrong. Hey, um, that sounds good. I was high on Charlie and Herman, so uh, you know I'm not going to jinx anything. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, so I, I I really like the hire. I think you know I really like the fact that they went away from. Uh, a, getting a head coach that's already been a head coach that has his guys or whatever. I really like that they went to a coordinator finally. It's kind of out of the box hire for them. And uh, they kind of broke form. And I think that's really good. I like, I love, I, I love the staff. Obviously, you know, um, there's a lot of recruiting prowess there. And, Dropping uh, bags. Yep. For sure. So how, how do you not like, how do you not like, like Jeff Banks, man. He's got a monkey. I mean, how can you not monkey. love that? And a stripper Automat- girlfriend. <laughs> Automatic favorite. And he follows me on Twitter. So he's pretty much an A plus in my book. Yeah, you gotta get him on the you gotta get him on the podcast. Or just Paul Assassin. We my movement, yeah, we just I, need his girlfriend, Paul Assassin. Get her on the get her on the podcast. Drive her with some barbecue. The movement I'm trying to create is Texas really needs to make the monkey into a touchdown monkey. And when we score, the touchdown monkey either comes on the screen, he rides Bevo, something. But we have to utilize the monkey. We Fire him out of the cannon. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the options are limitless. You know, I can I can work with the – I'm pretty close to the tech team over there at Surly Horns. Can probably get a Bevo trying to buck off a monkey going across the screen anytime a score happens. Monkey's like incredible. <laughs> Man, so so uh, you know, you, I know you said you didn't want to jinx it, but we're gonna put you on the spot. What, what's the prediction for next year? What do you think? You think we're gonna win the Big Twelve? Hell yeah! All gas, no brakes, baby. Let's go. Let's go. All gas, no brakes. Let's go. <laughs> There's no reason to hold back now. My heart's been stomped on so many times. 
I was I was uh, relentless. I just told everybody we're winning the national championship last year, so I see no reason why I shouldn't do it again next. Hey, you know what? All Gasco breaks. We're there. Let's do it. I mean, we're back. Let's if go. Challenges you on that? You just tell them no. That's breaks, not all gas. All right. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't speak those words around these parts. That's for sure. But um, cool. Well, Rick, you got anything more for Grant? Uh, quarterback. Card or Thompson? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Pretty hard to deny what we like, you know, the bowl game performance by Thompson. But, I, you know, I can't – hopefully I can get into some spring practices um, and, and watch the guys because I feel like we've never blown anybody out, so we never got to see anything from Thompson except for some, like, crappy time in the spring game or something like that. But, you know, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that we could – potentially maybe upgrade the quarterback room from a passing perspective next year. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the all threat might be a lot more threatening. Um, I don't know. It'll be really easy to see. I love, I love Sam to me. He's, he's always going to be um, up there with Longhorn greats. I mean, it's not just how far you can throw, how accurate, how accurate you are that makes you a Longhorn legend. Um, but think about what these teams would have been like the last four years without him and his kind of competitiveness. But I, that's not to say that you can't upgrade from a skills perspective, um, from raw, you know, in, in the in the raw passing department. Um, For sure, with, with Hudson especially. Yeah, I mean, I think that both their arms are just so. I mean, it's all predicated on that deep ball, especially in Sark's offense. You know, you want the those guys. Not only you want Jalen Waddle, you want Devontae Smith, and you know, with the guys we have in the receiver room, um, I feel like you know. Sam just wasn't that good of a deep ball thrower um, where we should be using Josh Moore, you know, 50 yard bombs. You know, we're not used to seeing those guys, Jake Smith going 50 yard bombs. You know, it's dink and dunk 10, 12, 13 yards down the field every single time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm firmly with you. I definitely think at least in terms of arm talent, um, it, it could definitely be improved uh, this, this coming year. You guys got a dark horse player on the team that you think is going to break out? For me, I think uh, Troy O'Meer. I think uh, from spring practices last year, everybody was just raving about him being the next coming of uh, uh, Roy Williams. Um, I mean, I'm down. Let's see that. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the receiver room could definitely, you know, could stand to have been an up, upgraded last year. And, you know, they were not getting off of separation. So I think with Troy, I mean, he has the hands. And everybody was calling him slow when he first came out of high school. But in spring practice, he did not look slow whatsoever. So I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do, um, especially as kind of that dark horse, because uh, I think it's his position to lose after uh, Eagles left for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be upset. Yep. Well, yeah, and then I don't know. Yeah, two games. That's all we saw out of Bijan. He's still a dark horse. Easy <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he, runs like a, he runs like a damn horse. That's he for runs sure. Like a horse. <laughs> I was going to say, we haven't had that uh, tougher runner probably since Foreman. Yep. You know, yeah. some take contact like this. Our Roshan is, is great like that, but uh, I was actually watching some Deontay Foreman highlights, and I'm like, damn, that guy, he low-key was actually really freaking good in college. Yeah, he does. Uh, so John has a Texas little bit of that size and some of that wiggle. I mean, he's a different running back, but. But he does. There's flashes there where they reminds me of that. Where it's like, damn, he shed that dude, and he shed that dude, and then he picked up an extra twenty. Like, that was a hell of a run. 
just nobody squares them up. I think that's what's crazy with Bijan is, you know, everybody's just, you know, if somebody's going to um, tackle him, it's just going to be barely getting him down. You know, nobody's hitting him head on because he's just so shifty and just, he reminds me of Arian Foster a lot where finds a hole, one cut, goes, and then he can, you know, wiggle, make a linebacker miss, and now he's into the secondary where he can punish some people. It's, I mean, it's just pretty to watch him run. Um, and, yeah, you're right. We haven't had that since Dante. And, I, man, I wanted him so, to be the Texans guy so bad. And he just he didn't have it. And then the Achilles killed it. Uh, but, yeah. What about defense, Grant? What, you, who are you looking forward to seeing on defense? Dude, my boy on defense is Deshaun Jameson. Oh, yeah. Got to represent. Deshaun, oh, yeah. I've been watching that kid since he was a junior in high school. And even when him and Cook were on the same team coming out, I, told, I was – Everybody that could, I said, dude, Jameson, he's got a notion of the ball. This kid's going to be a baller when he gets to college. I mean, uh, Cook was higher rated coming out, but he's done well to uh, make me sound like I actually know what I'm talking about. Him. And I just like <laughs> watching him. And he's got a great – he's got a Warriors attitude too. Yep. Can't hurt that he's from the same high school, right? Lamar guys, right? Yeah, go Redskins. <laughs> you can still say that word around here? That. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah, the, the the Lamar football team is what we'll call them here. <laughs> so, uh, are, how long are you going to be in San Antonio? Or are you going back and forth? How does how does that all work out? I'm going to drive back to Houston after this, and I'll be in Houston for um, the end of this work week for me, which is Sunday, and then Monday I'm turning around, come back to San Antonio, and then we're opening on the 13th, which is. Not this Saturday, the Saturday next, the Saturday after that. So yes. Valentine's right. Day weekend, we're unlocking the doors, and uh, we're going all gas, no brakes here in San Antonio. Hell yeah! You heard it. Yeah. You heard it here, Surly. Get there. Get some of that barbecue. Yeah, actually, this is the first time I actually mentioned this, like uh, on on the record. So boom. Oh broken. man, breaking news! Breaking yeah, news. 13. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So who you got in the Super Bowl? Uh, Chiefs. Going Patty Mahomes. I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm going Brady on this one. I just, I think he sold his soul to the devil and and nothing can stop him at this point. It's just, we just have to accept that we're living in Tom Brady's world. I kind of had that feeling that if the freaking Buccaneers got in the playoffs, like, of course, they play the Bears first. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was, and they suck. And then uh, they played a broken Drew Brees. And then they went up and my Packers laid a brain fart. Oh. You know, it's like, that's Tom Brady, man. I'm like, the guy is not only incredibly good, he's also incredibly lucky. And when you compare, when you pair those things together, it's just unreal. Shit's Matt rigged. Had- Shit's rigged. <laughs> like I said, he sold his soul to the devil. I don't know. That's the only, that's the only thing you can say about it at this point. Cause it's, it's unreal that I can, I need four aspirin to get out of bed in the morning. And this guy's throwing touchdowns and he's 10 years older than me. Crazy. So, uh, I expect I expect the the first day to sell out. Uh, not not just because it's so popular with everybody else, but because all of the the surly listeners out there get their asses over there and, and eat you out of some barbecue. Well, I hope that's the case. And if they don't want to come on Saturday, we're happy to serve you on Sunday too. So we'll be uh, ready and willing. Absolutely. And next time we need to do uh we need to do this podcast live at, at the new restaurant. Let's do it. All right, well, hook them. Hook them, Grant. Hook them. Can't reiterate how much you guys need to go buy that barbecue. Make sure you sold out for fucking three months straight.
that guy's a good guy. We're definitely going to have him back on the podcast. Yep, absolutely. And I'm definitely going to hit up that new one in San Antonio. I already can't wait to take my kids, you know, make a little picnic out of it, drink some cold beer, you know, and eat the best barbecue around. Yeah, I, I can't recommend uh, Pinkerton's enough if you're in the Houston area or soon to be San Antonio area. And like he said on the podcast, breaking news, he's opening on the 13th Valentine's Day weekend. So um, eat some ribs, you know, make some love, get down tonight. All right, is Drayton going to go to the NFL after he just rainmakered and dropped some blue on us? Yeah, I, I. so he got in interest with, from the Eagles. Um, it looks like he's going to be staying, um, but who knows? That might have been some kind of national signing day, kind of like, hey, you're still on staff kind of deal. I don't know. Um, you know, I know Golf Clap would be happy if he did leave. Um, but I think he's happy and happy in Austin. Honestly, at this point, I really can't see him leaving. I think, I think he'll be up. I think at least for this year, he's going to be here, especially, I mean, he has Bijan Robinson. I mean, going from Bijan Robinson, like they, they, they money whipped all these people. And why would you, why would you let Stan Drayton go to the Eagles after putting together this staff? I mean, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think and he, he just got the big commit. Yeah, I think so too. And he just got the big commit, and Jaden Blue we'll talk about in a little bit. But I mean, yeah, it's it's I I can't see him leaving at this point. Um, I think I, honestly at this point, I think it'd be a dumb career move because I mean, going to the Eagles with a new head coach. I mean, their running back room's not exactly lighting the world on fire with Miles Sanders. So my guess is he's going to be retained. And then we've got another incredible hire as soon as we think we're done talking about incredible hires and how cohesive this staff is and how well put together it is there's more man and it was great and it's something that honestly i didn't think would happen um you know i think the um it's it's kind of an underrated position um, that director of high school relations. Uh, we're talking about Chris Gilbert, by the way, who was the uh, Lancaster High School head coach and the uh, THSCA president. Yeah, the, the board of directors or whatever the hell he was. He's a president. He's the head of the board of directors, the THSCA. Um, crazy. I mean, he, he will absolutely lock down South Dallas for Texas. I mean, just his name alone. Um, I also think he's, I also hear he's great making brisket. So I think that's a, that's another positive as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean that these guys got to eat, right? These guys yep. got to eat. feed the studs. Hey, that's it. And yeah. And I know, um, uh, Bob Shipley is going to be retained as well. Cause he was a former, uh, director of high school relationship r- relations, uh, under Herman. Um, he was going to retire, but it looks like he's staying on in some kind of capacity, which, Hey, that can't hurt. So, uh, just, just keep adding these, these guys that are linked in and, and can, you know, really build these relationships for these recruits. And I think it's going to be great. And just in case everybody may have forgotten, I doubt it. They did. Today, the day that we record, we record on Wednesdays. Today was National Signing Day. It's a big deal today. Yeah, the second one, which was kind of boring, except for Carl getting neg bombed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, Texas did what they were supposed to do, I guess. You know, they got uh, David Abiara, who was the uh, defensive end slash edge rusher from um, he was going to Notre Dame. He decommitted. He had some legal issues. Looks like it was some kind of high school prank gone wrong. But anyway, he ended up in the class like everybody kind of expected to. Um, he was actually committed to uh, Kwiatkowski at what or he was going to commit to Kwiatkowski at Washington. Uh, obviously he's going to stay home here in Texas now. So should be a decent. I didn't commit. realize, I didn't realize how enormous he was. Yeah. Did, yeah. I mean, did you hear, did you hear what Sark was saying? That, long ass I mean, he's already, shoulder. he's already enormous and they want him to get bigger, even bigger. They want yeah. him to be a standing two sixty five defensive end edge rusher. That's, That's fucking insane. Load, that's a that's load. a three hundred million dollar. That's a three hundred million dollar defensive end. I mean, that's I mean, that is a load. That's a big ass dude right there. So, you know, I think he's going to be a little bit of a project. But, hey, get that weight on him. You know, Becton's going to be in there working with him on weight training. And uh, I, I'm fine with the take. Um, a lot of people are calling him a jag. But I think finally um, people are going to see some of these guys that that Texas is getting in aren't going to be Jags because they're actually going to get developed. Unlike they were at with Herman, you know, that with Herman, it's like, okay, we took this three star that has all this potential that will never amount to shit. Well, now it's like, Hey, you take this three star with all this potential and he could turn into a first round pick. So I'm all about it. So uh, this is a weird, right? Just because of how the, the staff is assembled and, and the way that the defense is, does, is he, a, a a PK understudy or is he a Davis understudy? Like, how does that work? That's from a good a, question. A coaching I, perspective. My guess, my guess is he is going to be a little bit of a mix of both until he figure until we figure out you know what kind of weight he can maintain. Um, if he's going to have his hand in the dirt, if he's, you know, as well as what kind of front, um, PK is running, you know, we, we, we talk about the two man front, the three man front, but I think it's going to be kind of a multiple front where, um, you know, that he might not be a starter per se, you know, air quotes, but, um, he might be a guy that plays, you know, on passing downs or on running downs with, you know, four man front. Um, so he's still kind of that traditional defensive end or he can stand up. And, you know, I think, I think that flexibility in him as a player, I think is a huge plus And the reason why they took the kid. Just a good get. Yep, for sure. And, um, you know, the biggest one that I was excited to get back in, um, Ishmael Ibrahim, who again, legal troubles kind of pushed him back to this, this signing day, but he's really the only true corner that took Texas took in this class. Cause Jameer Johnson might be a little bit more of a safety, um, long ass arms. Um, seems like a good kid got caught up in some, some bad surroundings. So I think getting him on the 40 acres and getting him in that kind of support system, I think it's going to be, you know, super good for him. And, and he has all the talent in the world. I think he could be a shutdown corner. And then we've got, Keith Runley, man, out of Brian. So I got to read a text that my buddy sent me. So he's an Aggie. He's in Brian, but he likes to go to a bunch of high school games. He has a relationship with one of the players on the team. And um, he texted me and he said, hey, I saw on uh, 24-7 that y'all are fully crystal balled Keith Runley to Texas. Are y'all taking him? I said, I hope so. He said, wow, I cannot believe Aggie missed on this one. Um, that is the best high school player I have seen since Mike Evans. 
which sounds crazy. But, I mean, he has crazy stats, too. He had 1,600 yards, 25 touchdowns uh, this year alone. Uh, I think it's that boy good. That boy good. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like he's going to play out of the slot. I think, I mean, I'm super excited to see what this guy can do. I think he's going to be, he might be my favorite recruit in the entire class um, based on stars. You know, uh, I think this guy's an absolute steal. So is there anything of note outside of the Texas recruiting landscape? What happened today outside of the Texas recruiting landscape? Obviously, we've got Uke, who uh, it didn't work out for Texas. Or Carl. Or Carl. Or Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but now, the whenever we identify Carl when he comes back, he's going to oh, have yeah. Glitzy Goblin as his title. Absolutely. He's an absolute, he's not a glizzy gladiator. He is a glizzy goblin. And yeah, Austin Uke or Uke, or I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, he's going to Stanford. Um, it's basically a rite of passage every single he's gonna go year. Play school. Point. He's going to go play school. It's awesome. Good for it, him. It, we lose an offensive line to Stanford every single year. Branson Bragg, Walker Little. Now this guy, it's, it's, uh, it sucks. And yeah, I, I mean, whatever. Congrats on your Stanford education, asshole! <laughs> like, you, there's not much you can say. Um, you know, good for him. I, you know, I, I wish him success. But you know, he would have been at least some kind of salve to the worst position group recruiting I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I mean, in 2021 or 2020, everybody was saying, hey, you know what? We should be saving scholarships for this amazing 2021 offensive line class. They have both Brockermeyer twins, Savian Bird. I mean, they were talking about Jonah Miller out of Arizona who blocked for Bijan. They're like, oh, he's not a take now because we have all these guys in Texas that we're going to take. Guess how that worked? Um, We have Hayden Connor, shout out, big Pinkertons fan, and Max Merrill. Um, That's it. So we ended up with two, I think they're both three-star commits out of this supposed amazing offensive line class in 2021. So um, fuck you, Herb Hand. Fuck you forever. Yeah, good, good thing Herb Hand still isn't developing these guys. That's oh all my I got God. To say. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Flood, please save us. Please, for the right love Kyle of God. Flood. Kyle Flood, he'll, he'll do some good stuff. Got to. He has to. It can't be so, any worse. So, <laughs> so wider landscape, you know. I've got to call you out. I've got to call you out, RGB three. Oh, it's not going to be as it's not going to be as dirty as the Carl call out. Uh-huh. You're not going to get neg carpet bombed, but you yep. did say in your bold predictions that LJ yep. Johnson was going to commit by Sunday before last or some shit like that. And guess what? Yeah, that definitely did not happen. So neg yeah, you're away. fucking that way terrible. wrong. You were way <laughs> the fuck wrong. Awful. Hey, you know what? I thought I felt good at the time. It was a gut. You know, I thought uh, you felt know, it I, in your plums, just like you felt Urban Meyer in your plums. It was in my plums, and guess what, guys? If you are taking anything in this podcast, you know, word for word from me, it's gonna be wrong. Bet against me, just always bet against me. It, it, it'll make you, it'll make your life a lot better. Um, yeah, it was terrible. He he goes to Aggie. Good get Aggie. Um, you know, I will say though, he was supposed to early enroll. Now it looks like he's just gonna fiddle fuck around uh Cy- Cypress Texas for 4 months doing nothing instead of enrolling early so we'll see what that does to his development it certainly can't be good and it certainly does not make a lick of sense i do not understand that move at all um 
So, I mean, at this point, you know, we already got, we got our running back commit. You know, we got Jaden blue in the class. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, talking about Jaden blue, I mean, he's the number one running back in Texas, maybe in the entire nation. He, he reminds me of, I'm not going to say Jamal Charles. I'm not going to say Earl Campbell. I'm not going to say Ricky Williams. We're going to ban those from the podcast. Any comparison to any great Texas running back, we're just it's, banning those out. It's so it's so strange because I you know I've watched I've watched a bunch of his his film now, and he's that weird combination of the the stand up runner that will just truck you, and then keep going and has breakaway speed almost from the second stride. It's kind of crazy to it watch. It is kind of crazy. He reminds me a little bit of Clinton Portis a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's actually a really good comparison. Yeah. He runs a little high. He he's kind of a one cut guy that'll he'll get out of a tackle, but he'll also lay the fucking wood if he needs to. So um, yeah, no, I think, I think he's a, he's a damn good take and i think it's going to be a two-back class especially with missing with lj johnson so i think um i think it's going to be an absolutely awesome running back class this year i you know jamarian miller um is out there um there are a couple other big names that uh i think have a pretty damn good chance of of ending up in this class holy fuck is that a wild durka that's appeared is it can y'all hear me all gas no brakes hook them hook them What's up, dude? What's up, guys? We're just talking about how Aggie has the number four recruiting class in the nation. How was it really four? I didn't know. Fucking bummed we are about that. I thought it was number seven. Regardless, them being in the top ten and doing so well in recruiting uh, chaps my ass, to say the least. Because when I was growing up, Arkansas, sure, that's a big rival. Oklahoma. That's a big rival. A&M, that's a little brother. That's someone you don't even think about or take seriously. And you can't even deny that uh, status-wise, they're ahead of where we are in football now. And that will forever be unacceptable. For now. For now. They are number seven, by the way. They're number seven, but we're number, number 17. Seven. Which, number which, fuck you, Tom Herman. Come on. 17. Jesus Christ. So, for those who don't know who the Durka monster is. Hmm. So, AKA goo punch. <laughs> AKA shadow operative. Got a lot of them. Had a lot of them over the years. We in there, but who knows more about Texas basketball than the Durka Meister? <laughs> Certainly not me or I'm a Mac. No, no. Yeah. We don't know shit. So <laughs> please enlighten we know us. That the, we know that the Kentucky game was canceled. We can talk about, they didn't play shit. For basketball against Kentucky, because that we, know that we need to hit our free throws maybe one day. That would be yeah, nice. Four, four for, get these stats. Four for 14 on the game. Two for 12, I think, in, in the second half. And then one for eight to finish off the game. Oh, That game wouldn't have even bothered me, even if it had gone down exactly the way it did, if we had uh, held on against Tech and OU. We should have beaten Tech and OU at home. The Texas Tech game is the one that really irks me because we had a double-digit lead, well, for three reasons. One, we had a double-digit lead. Two, we we had every opportunity to make it 14, 16, 17 points, 
but we were kind of on cruise control and and shot selection and and efficient offense hasn't really been you know our calling card and we let tech back in the game that's number two is that we let them in and then number three is the fact that mac mcclung hit the game oh, winner and then celebrated guy. on our court like that i i can't stand his face already <laughs> there's you know you've got to have your marshall henderson your grayson allen your mac mcclung your white guy that everybody hates the floor slapper basketball and so to have that guy hit a game-winning jumper a pull-up jumper and then flex his nuts on our court it's just the worst speaking of flexing on some people that dunk was dirty oh and then the technical how fucking weak was that technical Come and that's on. what i'm saying if you oh, guys saw um, last night on scott van pelt sports center he 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 opens up his sports center with the best thing i saw today and last night he said i'm opening up with two things because i couldn't decide which one was best and one of them was greg brown's dunk and another one was uh, a guy for Ole Miss. Ole Miss played Tennessee last night, and a guy for Ole Miss got a, a fast break one-on-one tomahawk dunk all over a Tennessee defender. And get this, and, and, and you know, f- Google it, look on Twitter, you'll see it. In fact, I actually posted the video somewhere on the basketball board, but uh, <laughs> the guy for Ole Miss, he dunks all over the Tennessee guy. Then using his chest, he chest bumps the guy down to the ground. Then he stands over him and flexes his muscles. And then he turns around and runs off with no call. Oh, and then the Baylor Baylor guy did it. Baylor guy did it at the end of the game. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, that was dirty. But everybody turned the TV off by then. Right. <laughs> I did not. I'll like this. Greg Brown's going to have more posters in one season than probably anyone we've ever had, or maybe Kerwin Roach, or or you go all the way back to uh, Tremaine Wingfield or Chris Clack, but uh, Greg Brown gets posters. And, and, and this is the other thing about him that I want to shout out since we're talking about him, something that I would want to share with people who don't maybe follow the team as much and who know him as this high-flying, you know, dunker, this kid is an out fucking standing rebounder. One of our posters, I think Hookham, uh, did a nice breakdown comparing his rebound percentage, offensive rebound percentage, total rebound percentage, and his stacks up or exceeds the best guys we've ever had from Mo Bamba to Jackson Hayes to whomever. To have a freshman come in and work the glass, uh, uh, not just any freshman. But like a, a five-star, you know, he's already kind of famous before he gets here. He knows he's one and done freshman. The work he does on the glass is is really valuable to our team and our program. And especially as long as we don't necessarily value the ball on offense, I'm telling you, guy, Greg Brown's rebounds can win us some games. He's that elite of a rebounder it's not something you generally see from a freshman coming in to a program like this my favorite thing about him too he's easily my favorite one and done guy that we brought in so far and it's because of the rebounding and you know the big dunks it's it's because he's not worried about his draft stock he's trying to win a game yeah exactly and i'm not trying to you know throw out you know mo bomber or anybody else you know i i all I'm saying is that guy has no regard for his draft stock. He wants to win for Shaka, and that is such a big breath of fresh air. Can I can I tell you a story that I kind of can't believe I'm about to tell right now? Because yes, 
I've n- I've literally never told anyone this story. There's one guy in the whole world who knows this story because he was there with me. And I've never oh, told hold anyone. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna Pause. smoke some dabs. Pause. I'm gonna smoke some dabs for this. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I I've specifically never brought this up because I, I I definitely felt back in the day when I did it that this would not have been received well on Shaggy or or now Surly. But this really happened, and because anybody who knows me in real life, and there's plenty of people out here on Surly who know me, they know this about me. I'm a kind of guy who, well, most people probably know this about me. I pretty much say and think what I feel a lot of the time, even if you don't know me or you don't want to hear it, you didn't ask to hear it, you're going to hear it. <laughs> hey, and if you don't, so, PM Durka, baby. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what's up, PM Durka. That's right. <laughs> So I want, I was at the mission. We hosted Michigan state, I guess, back in 2014. Uh, we, we were anyway, miles Turner was a recruit at, uh, somewhere up in H E B at, at, at Ulysses and miles Turner was in the house that day. And, you know, we were one of his finalists and I was sitting, I had some good seats thanks to a buddy. And I was sitting down low with a friend of mine and I saw miles Turner and his family sitting under the hoop. And I was like, dude, I was like, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to tell him exactly what I think about him. I'm going to tell him what I would post, you know, on Shaggy. I was like, I'm going to, I have an opportunity in time (laughs) to affect, you know, I have one opportunity in time to say to this man exactly what I think. Because this is the way I see it. He's going to make a decision that's going to impact my life. And he's standing right in front of me. So let me go tell him my two cents. And this is what I said to him. And this this still probably will not be received well, but this is what I did, and it worked out in the end. I went up to him, and uh, at like halftime or something, or maybe it was one of the media timeouts, and I said hello. I said, Mr. Turner, and he stood up. He's super friendly. I shook his hand. I like waved to his grandma and everyone like that. I was like, hey, how you I was like, man, do you mind if I just get a, mi- a quick minute of your time to just give you my thoughts? And he, again, super, super nice guy. I was like, yeah, what's up? I was like, well, look, man, you're obviously a huge recruit. You can go anywhere in the country. You can go to Kentucky. You can come to Texas. And we all want you to come to Texas. But I got to be honest with you, man. I love Texas basketball. Like, I really, really love Texas basketball. And lately, we've had just this never-ending carousel of guys. And and, and I didn't name all these guys to him, but I'm talking about Mike Cabongo, uh, Avery Bradley, you know, Tristan Thompson, uh, guys from coming in from Canada, even the Sheldon McClellans of the world and the Jalen Bonds, guys who were coming to Texas uh, to further themselves more than Texas. So I said to Miles Turner, I said, hey, man, listen, I know the only reason you're going to college is because they're going to make you go to college for one year. And if it's all the same to you, if Texas, Kentucky, whatever, whatever is all the same to you, then honestly, man, with all due respect, please don't come to Texas. If you're just going for one year because you have to, man, Texas basketball fans are disheartened by signing people who don't really, really want to be a Longhorn, who don't really, really want to play for the University of Texas, who don't care about Texas, you know? And I said, hey, man, from everything I've read about you, you seem like a great kid. Wherever you go, best of luck. I appreciate you listening to this crazy person walking up to you, telling you to go somewhere else. But I said, hey, man, honestly, 
if you really want to be a Longhorn, please come here. But if you really don't care, go to Kentucky, man. That's how I feel. He was classy as shit about it. I said what I had to say, and he ended up coming to Texas for one disappointing year that, honestly, Rick Barnes screwed the pooch on that one. I'll be the first to admit that. It wasn't Miles' fault. But, uh, yeah, man, that's that's how much I love Texas basketball is um, – I, I it – I'm just telling this story to kind of try to explain. And for those who don't know, I grew up in the program. My dad was the basketball SID growing up. It's UT Hoops is my first love. I still maintain relationships today with people all the way back to Lance Blanks to people as recently as Demarcus Holland. Uh, And Coach Todd Wright is someone I consider a mentor. uh, And I'm very close with him and his family. And so – For better or worse, uh, all this verbosity aside, that is why uh, I've been the way that that's all of this is just to explain. My heart is really, really in this Texas basketball program. And sometimes I let that get away from me and get the best of me. But uh, I really do care. And uh, just as a way of kind of segueing this away from me and back towards Texas basketball with this team. We've lost three home games in a row. That's obviously very upsetting to any fan, but we know what we've got with this team. So my whole deal is let's stay healthy and let's fuck around and go get to the second or third weekend of the tournament because there's no questions about what we have with this team. I'll take every loss with a grain of salt. It's the craziest year that there's ever been. Um, It's tough to, you know, blame a loss on any one person or thing but we have a truly special squad with that perfect mix of senior guard play, young athletic talent, one and done talent. Let's just stay healthy and see if we can fuck around and win some tourney games. Fuck around and find out. I mean, I, <laughs> it is, you know, it's so good to see, you know, what the most refreshing thing for me when I, when I watch Texas basketball now is, is how, like ferocious they are on defense, right? They're, they're after that ball. They're trying to poke, steal it. They're trying to block shots. They're trying to rebound. And, and Greg Brown has a big part with that. And that I think is the biggest differentiator. It's not that we're making more shots or, you know, driving to, to the hoop any more than, than ever. It's that I think the defense is there this year. Durka, what do you think? It's an, it's, it's Shaka's, Shaka has actually been a ranging from very good to elite defensive coach at Texas. And this is the best defense he's ever had. And something else I would say to your point is that historically my favorite teams at Texas in any sport all had defenses that I loved to watch like in 04 and 05, we'd go do a two minute touchdown drive and it would be like, Fuck yeah, let's get Derek Johnson and company back out on the field, you know. Uh, In baseball, we had some elite defenses in 02 and 05. And it's the same with our basketball team this year and and with some of our best basketball teams ever. That relentlessness, that tenacity. You used to have guys like uh, Brian Boddicker and James Thomas. Well, now we have Greg Brown and Kai Jones. And everyone buys in. Everyone knows their role and plays it. And it's When you have a team that you enjoy, you legitimately enjoy watching them play defense, that's when you know you got something special. 
For sure. No, I think so. That's what I was going to say. You know, my biggest thing about this entire team is that I want to watch them. It's been a long time. Now, Texas basketball is appointment viewing now. It used to be, oh, yeah, Texas is playing. Oh, cool. Who are we playing? Kansas State? Okay, cool. Well, I'll tune in, see what the score is, you know, see what it looks like. Now it is literally, oh, shit. Hell yeah. Uh, we got we, we got Baylor coming up. This is a big-ass game. Lock in. Let's go. You know, it's it's been a long time. Honestly, I can't even tell you the last time, you know, I'm, not, I'm obviously not as passionate about basketball as Dirk is, but... Uh, you know, I've always cared, you know, I, I've still have a signed TJ Ford basketball in my, in my media room and hills. Yeah. Um, shout out Clemens high school. The only person to beat TJ Ford. Oh, uh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a bit of trivia. They were 72 and one. Yeah. Shout out Ralph Farley, baby. Yeah. That I was, I did not play basketball, but Farley coached me in PE. So, but, um, (laughs) But yeah, man, so I've I've never been as diehard, but I've always watched the games. And this is the first time since, God, I guess. This is the most fun team to watch since the team that that blew the number one ranking. Gotta uh, be. Which that would be 09-2010. Yeah, yeah that, that's probably what I would say. Yeah, at least 09-2010 or I mean, hell, you could probably so even make a rant. <laughs> yeah, we're talking a decade plus. That team in 09 was that's really the team you might compare this team to in terms of that team was able that team liked to run and get up and down they had two point guards doge balbay and uh jacobin brown who really complimented each other had damian james jordan hamilton dexter Pittman was in great shape avery bradley so we could that team we could throw bodies at you and even the starters like damian i think led the team in minutes and played under 30 minutes a game so that team was fun to watch because they were so up tempo, they were so up and down. Uh, you know, we beat North Carolina something like one hundred two to ninety one at Jerry World. Uh, this team, we don't run up and down like that, but we actually put up just as many highlights as they did because it's almost unprecedented athleticism. The number when you tune in to watch Texas, like I'll tell you this, casual college hoops fans. Every year you find a team or two that's outside of your normal, you know, viewing uh, whatever. If they're, if they're not on ESPN, you're not watching them. And then you go, oh, hey, this team, every time I watch this team, something cool's happened. Well, that's Texas for a lot of people this year. You tune in to Texas that, game. It's, it is, it's so crazy to – I've got several group chats going, and it, it, they never like – right? I mean, we've got some basketball nerds in, in our friend group, and, you know, they – not that being a basketball nerd's a bad thing, Durka, but <clears throat> basketball nerds, right? They, you know, they get all excited about, you know, like the, the, I've got Mavs friends, I've got Spurs friends, I've got Texas friends, and it's like, you know, one message, and it's like, oh, you know, and they just say one or two things, and and this year it's just lit with the Texas basketball groups. They are just firing off everything and it's just non-stop it's like this game is fun to watch because and, and it's not because they're they're playing close or what you know because the texas lost a lot of really close games and they're under shock smart and it's this team has something different about it that's just a draw right they they're out for blood almost out on that court yeah and 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 that was 
was it the F? I can't remember who the writer was, but it was in the Athletic, and it was a guy who I can't remember his name right now, but he's been covering our team a few times for the Athletic, and he wrote a good article that someone shared recently about how a year ago Texas kind of had a fake tough guy attitude, like trying to kind of convince ourselves that we were someone who we aren't, whereas this group of guys they know who they are, and and like. Our trio of veteran guards have been through the – this is all old hat for them. And then our young athletic guys like Kai and Greg, to their credit, neither of them tries to be something that he's not within this group. Uh, both of them are getting – both of them are – I've seen mock drafts that have Greg Brown going as high as seven, and I've seen mock drafts – multiple mock drafts that have Kai in the top 15, like four, five, six different mock drafts that have him as a lottery player. And yet they come in and they rebound and they get second chance points and, and they give the ball to their guards to start. I mean, they just play their role. Everyone knows who they are. And in sports or really anything in life, that's what confidence really is. It's, it's knowing who you are and what you're about because you've done it before. And this team it's the same thing about TJ's team. So you would have to say the 03 team is the best Texas team ever, but they're probably the fifth most talented, sixth most talented. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. This team ain't quite done yet. No, they're, and, that, and, and, and that's where I'm going with this is that, you know, this team, just like TJ's team, everyone knows their role. Everyone on the court knows what he's supposed to do and he does it night in and night out and he doesn't complain. Like Brock Cunningham, how many guys in the country average one point a game and every every one of their fans loves them because of the job he does? I mean, this roster, these are special guys. That That's, that's another thing about this team that's special is that they know who they are. There, there's no questions about whose role is what those guys just go out there and bust ass and try to win. It's that PJ Tucker mindset, baby. That's what yeah, I'm looking exactly. for. Yeah, exactly. You, you need a bunch of PJ Tuckers on your team that are. I don't care what my stat line is. What four, eight, and two? I don't give a shit. Just get me the fucking basketball and let's win this game. Let's I don't win. care who, go who I need to punch in the face to do it. Let's do it. I'm telling you, man. If we stay healthy, this team. <laughs> Uh, I hate getting my hopes up. It's like hard for me to even say it right now, but we all know it's the truth. This team has everything that it takes to make a real deep tourney run. And Elite they're going to make a run. They're going to make Elite a run eight. for sure. I'm calling it Elite Eight. Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Your bold predictions suck, RGB. We already talked okay. about LJ Johnson and, and your fuck up there. Do not hey, fuck You know what? That means me. we're making Do the final four. For me. I said Elite Eight. That means we're making the final four. So there we go. <laughs> I tell you, look, with our defense, if we if we avoid the right kinds of teams, so for example, you know, teams like Baylor that have five 40% three-point shooters, if we avoid certain kinds of teams, with our defense alone, I say pencil us into the Sweet 16. If if we avoid some team full of shooters that just might go unconscious on us all day. Pencil us into the Sweet 16 because our our our, our uh, right. defensive Hold efficiency is so Hold fucking. Up. I gotta real. stop you. I gotta stop you. I gotta stop you. Smoke too many dabs. I just looked up at the time, and and we gotta talk about something else besides college basketball at this point. I know it's exciting. 
we'll and we will continue. This. Oh yeah, there's we'll more games to be again. played, sir. But who's your favorite signee of today? Let's test. Let's test your context switching. Who's your favorite signee today? Okay, you're well. <laughs> this is this is going to show. This is going to really show what I'm all about right here. The fact that I the, the answer I'm about to give is I can't even remember his name. Is his name Blue? Blue's Jadon in Blue? 2022. 2022. You're, you're ahead. Yeah. <laughs> save, hey, c- cut that segment and then save it for next year's podcast. We'll, we'll okay, drop it. so there you go. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> we can talk All about right. Tamar Bates. <laughs> he's, he's a basketball recruit. I know a little bit about him. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump into mine. So my favorite, uh, so I have two. So I already talked about Keith Ron Lee in depth, but uh, Byron Murphy. Uh, defensive tackle from DeSoto. Uh, mm. Everybody everybody was blowing up Shamar Turner, and as they should. Uh, Aggie commit. Uh, he's a stud. But Byron Murphy, he's got some Puna Ford to him. He's a short little stubby guy. He's got long arms, but he's only six foot. But, man, he can move. He has quickness straight off the ball. He gets to the passer. I mean, I think he set the DeSoto sack record this year, mm. uh, which, I mean, that's, I mean, fuck DeSoto around. DeSoto is a bona fide program. And so for a guy like me, in fact, to interject here real quick with the most ignorant opinion of the podcast. <laughs> hey, Jaden Blue, I'm ready for your opinion on that. Jaden Blue, too. yeah. I mean, I'm fucking pumped about Jaden Blue, too. Well, that's all I can say is that I, I obviously I don't know anything about this guy you're talking about, and, I, and I'm taking I'm learning about him from you right now. But when I hear D tackle from Desoto, that checks my boxes. That checks the boxes of what I do know because that's a fucking program where it's it's not just a uh, bona fide, but they the guys there don't they tend to come with some attitude, ready to play? You know, like you 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 don't associate them with like the oh private school. Turka is a fucking genius. So Sark has been talking about this a lot in his press conferences, and, and he's been talking about the certain brand of football that we play on the field, right? And the certain kind of mentality that we're going to bring on the field and the certain you know, mentality that I brought with this coaching staff. And I think you're you're hitting right on that. Uh, Durka, where it's it's some mean motherfucker. Yeah, that's what I'm looking it, for. Yeah, and I think you're going to see Sark targeted. Uh, actually, even more than Sark, I think you know Sark's going to go for speed. PK Kwiatkowski, he's going to go for mean motherfuckers, and I'm excited to see it. Some bad motherfuckers on the defense that are going to smack you in the mouth and still make the play. You know, I love BJ Foster, I love Chris Brown, but you know, smack somebody and they still stand up and run for a touchdown while you're still flexing and you know, twenty yards past a play. I'm not into that. Let's smack him in the mouth, get him to the ground. Let's win some ball games. So, yeah, Byron Murphy, easily my favorite recruit. Um, only a three-star. It's it's atrocious. I'm telling you right now, nope, I'm not going to predict anything. I've been so off, I'm not going to predict anything. But <laughs> kid's going to be a stud. Kid is going to be an absolute stud. I'm Colt super McCoy, excited. McCoy, Jordan Shipley, Earl Thomas, what? Uh, uh, Michael Huff was it? Uh, Aaron Ross, maybe? We had, no, not A-Ross. We've had a lot of three stars turn into some all American studs, and that's what coaching is all about. So, development. Yeah. I mean, this is just a brand. They're building a brand of football. And I can't believe how early and apparent and vocal and clear 
that plan is laid out, it's so strategic, almost like they have sat in a room and said, hey, everybody in this room has been watching recruits at whatever school they've been at all over the country. We know all the best guys, period. We don't care if they're in Texas or if they're not in Texas. A lot of them happen to be in Texas. But all those guys came to that room and already knew all the recruits that were already committed or had offers out. They reviewed this whole thing. It's almost like this is being run like a professional coaching staff, like somebody <laughs> competent. Amazing. It's amazing. No, it's incredible. I, I would, I would think that that room, that fucking idiot, Tom Herman double birds, the cameras in instead of just sitting around like a bunch of dumb motherfuckers. That is a, just a goddamn war room where they're planning every single thing out to the last thing where they're saving four spots on the roster for for transfers that they're just going to cherry pick. Yeah, I mean, we need O-line help. We need maybe a running back. I know Danny Young's coming back. Uh, Gabe Watson is trash, but he's still there. Uh, Maybe a corner, maybe a safety. You never know who's going to leave in the portal. I mean, hell, maybe even a quarterback. Um, I mean, so I think saving four spots, you know, obviously I think they wanted to be filled with LJ Johnson and Austin Uke, but they weren't. So, Hey, you know what? That portal's going to be lit, baby. Especially once, you know, it doesn't have to happen right now. Uh, once spring football's played, once people realize, Hey shit, I'm running third on the depth chart. Let me just transfer. They're going to be some, you know, people popping off, you know, that, that portal's going to be lit because people want a chance to play and, and Texas is going to be a premier destination for a lot of these kids that are coming so uh i'm mac what's your uh what's your favorite recruit not named jadavion sanders because that doesn't count what i i mean like i said the namesake gunner helm love a good tight end he's got the build for it looks you know uh we got a lot of a lot of talent in that tight end room i know jadavion sanders may or may not be there they talked about him playing both ways um juan davis looks like he might be switching to defensive end i mean who knows how the tight ends are going to pl- shake out, but yeah, I mean, Gunner, that's a hell of a name. And I think he's going to be a hell of a player. He's going to be a hell of a player. Hey, let me ask you guys something. As someone who's pretty much Steve Sarkeesian ignorant. Okay. What kind of, is he going to be bringing, uh, uh, what kind of offense is he planning on running here in the big 12? Oh, I, oh got I, got, I got you. I got you. I got you. Hold on. I got, I got we'll say it at the same time. It's, it's going to be the all gas, no breaks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no breaks. Roger that. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> uh no, but what what does he run for real? Um it's it's a really sh- shifty pro style. Um yeah. is all I can I mean that's how you you describe it. It's yeah, it's, it's pro using style using all sure. the pieces. You know what that makes me think of? It makes me think my favorite game to 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 rewatch like on ESPN Classic aside from 05. Yeah, is the 96 Big 12 title game. And if you watch John Makovic's old offenses, the way they would use pulling guards and and guys in motion and the tight end and multiple backs, that it was fucking sexy to yes. watch. What's crazy? What's crazy about Sark's offense is it it it's shifty but always to get 
the right player the ball where it's just yeah. like free fucking money, right? That's what the game is about today is playmakers in space, whether it's Tyreek Hill in the NFL or if you watch yep. Devontae. The, I, was having a, I was having a discussion with someone who's an SEC fan who was trying to say that what Devontae did in the championship game was the most dominant championship game performance. And I was like, the dude was 10 yards open every play. It's Sark that did that. I mean, yeah, I mean dominance is Vince Young putting the team on his back dole yep. and just dominating, willing <laughs> a team to victory. I mean, you, you, know. you said the biggest word to, for me. You said motion, and that's what was crazy to me watching the national championship game. And I, I went back and I watched all of Alabama's games this past year. And what was crazy to me is how he was able to move a guy, a Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, a Heisman winner, a Heisman winning wide receiver. He was able to shift him and get him lined up against a linebacker. A linebacker. A linebacker. And then he was he had 10 yards of grass. So now you have your best player against a complete mismatch on the opposite side against with 10 yards of grass in between them. How can he not be successful? And that boy good. Yeah. I mean, let me, let me give y'all another story that you're reminding me of. So as many people out here probably know, there was a guy that used to play ball at Texas named Antoine Cobb. I went to high school with him and his brothers and I know his family. And when he was, he was at Texas during the sort of the twilight of Mac Brown's career. Um, but anyway, his 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 first game, it was that game against we played Arkansas State and we won like 17 to 14 for the season opener. But Antoine, he comes up to me uh, on Tuesday and he said, hey, Coach Davis told me he's going to get me a touchdown on Saturday. And, and this is Antoine's debut. Antoine's freshman year, never played before. We, I said, really? Coach Davis said he's going to get you a touchdown on Saturday. He said, yeah, he's got to play. We get inside the 20. We line up in the eye. I'm going to be one-on-one with a linebacker who's going to be watching Jamal, and I'm just going to run a little wheel route, and I'm basically going to be wide the fuck open and score a touchdown. And sure enough, (laughs) the very first play that Antoine ever stepped on the field for the University of Texas, that's exactly what happened. He caught a touchdown pass because of play design. And knowing that Greg Davis was able to do that made his ineptitude at play calling uh, frustrate me even more. But it just it just goes to back up that play design coaching. You can tell a guy on Tuesday, hey, you're going to score on Saturday because we're going to get you in a position to where the guy they got covering you, he can't touch you. Yep, for sure. No, I think that's huge. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited to watch Sark's offense. And I think all the recruits we got coming in, I mean, let's see what 2022 does, but I'm super hopeful. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. what's going on? <laughs> I got a fantasy alert. Goran Dragic oh, is God on my watch it. list. That would have oh, been recently. so much cooler. Guys. That would have been so much cooler if it was like a flip or fucking <laughs> just some – Really nope. crazy. Break it's just in blue has reclassified to 2021. No. Yeah, we got to we got to break Mike Stoops on the podcast. I mean, the oh least my do is here God. Like that. <laughs> Guys, y- y'all did that shit. I mean, we did that. We did that. Y'all yeah. did that shit. No, for real. Y'all did that shit. That was that was outstanding work. Well, thank you. So getting back on the tracks, we've got a really big game coming up for 
the youngest guy that's been doing anything ever and setting all the weird records that nobody knew that could be broken by a young quarterback in the NFL. And then the just oldest motherfucker ever who sold his gold. Consumed, yeah, he's just consumed children's souls or (laughs) purity or nobody really knows because he's vegan and he's been vegan for like since before it was been cool he won't even eat tomatoes because they have too much sugar in them really (laughs) wow what a fucking weirdo i gotta get on that guy's diet oh i don't that yeah those two guys are playing in a game on sunday and it is to crown the champion of the NFL. So who do we think is going to win that game and give a like 20 second breakdown of how you think that's going to go? RGB three, you're up first. All right. I am taking the bucks because I already put my bet in uh, plus three. I also got them uh first half over 13 and a half and the first half uh, plus two and a half. So I'm all in on the bucks. Um, mainly because I think Tom Brady sold, sold a soul to the devil. I, like I said earlier on the podcast, uh, I always thought it was like, oh, is it Belichick? Is it Brady? Well, it's probably a little bit of a combination of both, but looks like it's a lot of fucking Brady at this point. They don't, you know, they, their skill position is stupid. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, probably Antonio Brown, Cameron Brate, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, I mean, Rob Gronkowski. I almost forgot Rob Gronkowski. They have a decent offensive he just, line. He, just, he comes in. He comes in. He's like the fixer. Comes yeah. In for two plays. Just, yeah. Just hey, guess what? Plays. You're on the 10-yard line. Throw it up, baby. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snag it up like a game of jackpot. I mean, I I can't. I can see the Chiefs winning because they're incredible. They're awesome. Pat Mahomes, awesome. Their skill positions, awesome. Their defense is good. I think the defenses are pretty equal. And I... Honestly, I'm just going gut at this point. I think Tom Brady, the narrative behind Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl this year is so much bigger than Pat Mahomes winning his second. Uh, Pat Mahomes is going to get a couple more for sure. This one. I mean, what does he have? What did he have? Like a a billion dollar contract over (laughs) the next 15, 17 years, whatever the fuck. Well, he has a 10 year, $500 million contract for real though, right? Yeah. Yeah. 10, five. And that's insane crazy and and i mean tom brady i think you know he he does only have a couple more years dude's gonna come out firing um you know i i think um i think the chiefs are gonna try to plan to stop the pass um and i think the bucks are gonna surprise some people with a run as well i think leonard fournette is rested ready um he can't catch the ball worth a shit i don't even know how that guy eats sometimes he has the worst hands i've ever seen in my entire life but uh, I think he's going to be able to get the rock, put some damage, you know, open, you know, open that coverage for the uh, for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and make some plays downfield. I'm taking the bucks. 28, 20, 28 to 20. Whoa. OK, well, I am also going to take the bucks. Um, I don't know that I'll take him plus three. I don't know. I'm that confident. Uh, <laughs> but the bucks, I think pull this off with nothing more than intimidation tactics. I think the, I, I watched this interview uh, on like the Super Bowl kickoff, whatever initial interviews. Cause you can't, you know, it's all COVID shit. And they're just like, you can't actually hang out with each other. And uh, Tom Brady is in this kid's head. And it, 
and he's doing it in like a like a patronizing super nice way but he's fucking in this kid's head so they had this you know it's like a 20 minute interview where it's just the two of them and they're just like supposed to be bullshit and answering questions and and whatever and Tom Brady just comes out and lays the wood and is like, yeah, you know, whenever I beat the shit out of him in that AFC championship game, instead of hanging out with my team because it was too loud to think, I just like went in the locker room and talked to him and just like let him know what I thought about him as a young player, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, my God, he's he's fucking with this guy's head right now. He's just fucking with his head to remind him how it feels to be a fucking loser. And I'm going to do that to you again, motherfucker. I'm going to do that to you. And it's going to be me, right? Like the gritty meme. It was, Tell him it was me. <laughs> <laughs> that That is why I'm picking Tampa Bay. Because he is mind-fucking this kid. And they're asking, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, like, who do you think would win in a burger eating contest? Even though, uh, you know, Tom Brady doesn't eat burgers. They would be some <laughs> shit you eat. And he was he was just dumbfounded. He was just like, didn't know how to answer the question. And Tom Brady was like, yeah, yeah, Andy Reid would win that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what Dirk, you, Dirk? what's your take? Well, I have to preface this by saying that I'm a Chiefs fan. And uh, anyone who was on Shaggy 10, 12 years ago will remember all the early hungover Sunday mornings where I would get on Shaggy and just rail on Todd Haley and then Romeo. I mean, these motherfuckers were bringing in Peyton Hillis and taking touches away from Jamal. You see what I'm saying? I mean, this shit hurt my soul, man. I'm a Texans fan, dude. Say no more. I feel your pain. Uh. (laughs) Right when I was about to give up on the Chiefs, a man named Andy Reid came in and just rejuvenated everything about my love for the Chiefs. I have a dog that I've named Chief, a beautiful boxer. So with that said, when it comes to this kind of thing, I have to take my heart and I have to stuff it down real low, you know, stuff it down with some brown. Don't listen to your heart. Listen to your head. When I try to listen to my head, What my head says to me is, Andy Reid is over the hump, bro. Andy Reid reached the mountaintop already. Andy Reid is the man. And just like we were talking about earlier, Andy Reid is going to get Tyreek Hill in space. And if it's not Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey will be in space. And if it's not Travis Kelsey, it'll be a trick play. And some dude you've never even heard of will be open five yards behind the last safety. And Andy Reid is going to out-duel Bruce Arians. That's what I think my head is telling me. And and I'm having a tough time gauging how much of my heart is coming up and saying this. And so I think, and I think, and I think, and I think, and I go over it. And I'm going 34, 33 bucks because of what you guys were talking about with this Tom Brady voodoo shit. No, you're trying to, you're trying to pull one of me. You're trying to to pull a, you're trying to suck. To Durkin get thinks. the powers that he has, but I'm I'm envisioning Tom Brady at the forty with twenty eight seconds left, you know, just connecting with Mike Evans or some shit for the because hey, it is so hard to win back to back. That's why it hasn't been done since Brady did it like a decade ago. But but Tom Brady, people said 
when the in the offseason or a year ago when the Bucks started signing all these people, they're bringing in Leonard Fournette, and then they bring in Brady, and they bring in Gronk, and they bring in Antonio Brown, and everyone just goes, oh, championship. But throughout the history of sports, buying veteran big-name players who are past their prime does not work. Does Daniel Snyder can't do it. Fuck, the Yankees ha- haven't even been able to do it. So I took it as I'm I took a very wait and see approach with this Buccaneers team that they scrapped together with this weird shortened truncated offseason and I said ah you know I'm going to not believe the hype and then I find myself looking up week 14 week 15 week 16 going who are you fucking kidding Dirk Tom Brady <laughs> has a deal with the devil. He sold his soul to the devil because this team should not be – when they were going, they had to play on the road, correct me if I'm wrong, on the road in New Orleans and then on the road in Green Bay. And I remember telling a buddy of mine, if this motherfucker just does that and even gets to the Super Bowl, going on the road against Drew Brees and then on the road against Aaron Rodgers, so to speak, I'm like, man – how can you bet against him? How can you bet against him? So I'm going 34, 33 bucks with a late Brady touchdown in an all-time epic Super Bowl. Hey, I'll take that. That sounds like a Super Bowl I'm going to get drunk to, so I'm, I'm <laughs> totally down. Cheers to that. Yes, sir. All right, Surly Nation, I think that's it. We've covered a lot today. Hey, would you have ever guessed that I would talk as much as I do? Pretty surprising, huh? Yeah, never, never. I'm excited <laughs> for your PMs. Your PMs are going to be lit. Absolutely not surprising at all. <laughs> and we, we actually now have to split this podcast into two. Yeah, yeah. congratulations <laughs> on the Thursday Friday drop. I'm patting myself on the back. I just want you to know that. And, hey, we're going to have to have you back on for sure for uh, basketball coming up. I mean, it's hey, a big I appreciate season. you guys we having me, man. I, en- I enjoyed this a lot. We'll yep, get, we'll out, get uh, once the bracketology comes out and everything for oh. the tournament is seated, we will have a special episode that will be one hour dedicated to just bracketology. Well, I'm mean, actually reminding me. I'm the reigning champ of the surly fucking uh, uh, tourney bracket. You know, two years ago, I won it. Then we didn't have a tourney. So I'm the only guy to ever hold the crown for two years straight. So I just want to get that on the record before we end this podcast. I'm the I'm the I'm the king. You understand right what now. I'm saying? <laughs> no, that's, that's great. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to PM Durka. Shout out to uh, Grant Pinkerton as well. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Remember, everybody, uh try his ribs on the 13th in San Antonio. It's only a quick hour drive from uh from Austin, and uh, if you're in Houston area in the Heights, absolutely go in, get the best ribs you'll ever have in your entire life. All gas, no brakes, hook them. Hook them. <laughs>